Thank you, my friend. Let's give it up for Pastor Carlo. And I love that dude. So, so Carlo and Jamie are just such a fantastic, fantastic friends. And uh, I love it when Carlo teaches, uh, and, uh, and especially when he teaches on money, and I don't have to. So uh, anyway, now, uh, my name's Chris, and I'm the lead pastor. I'm so honored that you guys chose to hang out with us today. And I'll tell you, you're, you're actually here. If this is your first time with us, you couldn't have picked a better time to come and hang out with us because this is, this is kind of the calm before the storm of Easter. Uh, we teach in series here, so one of the things that uh, we're not in a series today, we're kind of in something a little different. So I've decided today, let's kind of pull the curtains back a little bit, and let's talk about why we do what we do. I like to talk about our growth track. I like to talk of what uh, of how you can participate with us as a church, uh, and just kind of give you the inner workings of what OneChurch.tv looks like uh, before we start a new sermon series next Sunday entitled How to Be a Hero. And let me kind of give you a, just a quick sh- a snapshot of what that looks like, this next sermon series, is because all of us, we love drama, right? You, The reason why you watch television is because you like drama. The reason why you watch the reality TV is because you like drama. And as we are all attracted to drama in movies and books and all of this stuff, but we're not attracted to drama when it shows up in our own life. But we're going to be looking at the Easter story and the drama of that and how it's God actually created that drama so that we, so that we can have a relationship with him and because he wants a relationship with us. So really excited about this series. Um, today, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about, again, about some of the stuff. It's kind of like Vince Lombardi's talk of like, here's a football. Um, and uh, so I want to tell you what happened 10 years ago. Uh, one church wasn't a church split, it was a church start. Another church here in town uh, said, you know, we, we would love to create uh, a church for people who don't normally go to church. So I met with a group of 35 people at a coffee house about 10 years ago, and we started having this conversation. And I said simply this, Clarksville does not need another church. Because many of you, you pass by churches and church buildings just to come to a movie theater where a church meets in, right? We don't need another church, but what Clarksville needs is a different kind of church. A church where somebody who knows nothing about God, Jesus, or the Bible could show up and understand in just a a simple way that God loves them. So, our vision... It's a very unique one, and it hasn't really changed over the past 10 years, and it's simply this. We want to be a church where unchurched people love to attend. We want to be a church where unchurched people love to attend, and that's a pretty unique vision. We want to start a church for people who are far from God, people who are disenfranchised by religion. In in the early uh, years, we used to say it this way, we want to be a church for for the unchurched, people who've never been to church before, and the de-churched, people who have been to church and said, yeah, I got hurt by the church and I'm not going back. Well, we we realize that words matter. So about eight years ago, we changed it simply saying, we want to create a church where unchurched people love to attend. Yes, people who are church church can come and hang out. We want you to enjoy it. But we want to do everything with so much intentionality where people who know nothing about God's love can show up and go, I understand it. So that's what we did. So we intentionally created environments 10 years ago where someone who knew nothing about God or the Bible, didn't know all the songs, didn't know Amazing Grace and some of those other things that I grew up with, could show up and go, I get it. 
I understand it. And if you're here and if you're an unchurched person, or maybe you had church in your background and you bounced out because of relationships went sour or something like that, it's our prayer that you would show up today and you go, you know what? I don't know all there is to know about God, Jesus, or the Bible. In fact, I don't even know if I believe all that stuff, but these people I hung out with today were good people. And I enjoyed it, and the message was helpful. And I think I, I not only want to come back, I don't want this to be one church as a church. I want it to be my church and our church. So that is our reality. So this is kind of where we want people to go. The first thing is we want people, we believe that everybody has a first step to take. Can you say first step? First step, thank you so very much, with gusto. I love that, right? All of us, we have a first step to take, and I believe all of us, we have the same first step to take. And it simply is simply this, that all of us, we need to begin to have a relationship with God that happens through Jesus Christ. We believe that all of us are born far from God, and the reason why God sent his son Jesus is so that we can have a relationship with him, and he can have a relationship with us. So all of us, we believe all of us has that same first step. And if you begin that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then a, another first step is you need to get baptized. We saw, we've seen so many people get baptized here at OneChurch.tv. And what is baptism? It's simply going public. It's going public with your faith. Watch this quick video, and it'll kind of give you some examples of how that happens. I grew up in a family where church was not very important, and I never had the opportunity to understand that there was a God. Since I was a child, I grew up in a Christian home where my mom taught me the value of seeking Christ. God had a plan and purpose for my life that I could not see. Terms such as surrender, obedience, and submission were always a real problem for me. I secretly believed I wasn't good enough for God. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and everything began to change. God has my whole heart, and Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. I am here today to say that Jesus is who he says he is, and he is my Lord and Savior. That Jesus Christ truly is my Lord and my Savior. Each one of those people all had a story to tell. And one of the things that we believe all of us, God has given us a story, and we shoot these baptism videos so that people can explain what their life was like before Christ, how they came to know Jesus Christ, and then what difference Jesus Christ has made in their lives. It's a going public moment. So now we believe all of us, we have a first step, but then we have next steps. And what, one of the things I want to spend the rest of our time on is talking about these next steps. Many of us in here, you've already taken your first step. You have begun that relationship with Jesus. Some of you, you need to begin a relationship with Jesus. Others of you, you've, you've actually made that decision, but you've not went public. Your, your step is you need to get baptized. But for all of us in here that we've done that, what does that look like? What is our next step? Say next step. Next step. What is our next step? And I'm so glad you asked that question because uh, we want to tell you four next steps that you uh, can take. And how this happened is that 10 years ago, a group of 35 people did a few very important things, did really specifically four things, and we call them our next steps. 
When somebody asks, hey, Chris, I want to help out at one church. Hey, I want to join in. I want to participate. I want to become a member, whatever that means. We would simply say this. Well, because, you know, let me tell you, how that can happen is if you do this, 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 and this, that's how you can be engaged and you can take your next step. If you want to help create a church that unchurched people love to attend, right? For us, there's four things. The first one is simply this, serving on a team. Serve on a team. How many of you, you'd be honest and you'd simply say, I serve somewhere at onechurch.tv. Let me see your hands. Put them high. God, look, look around. Keep them up. Let's give it up for them. You guys are freaking rock stars. You guys are awesome. Let me tell you, if you ask them, any of those people with their hands up, you simply ask, hey, why do you serve? Uh, what is some of your experience with serving? They would simply say something like this. I've gotten more out of it than I ever gave. And isn't that kind of counterintuitive? But really, it feels like we're pouring out, but really, we're filling up. And I love that. That's what serving, it's, it's a way that where our faith comes alive. And Mark 10, 45, talking, uh, this verse talking about Jesus simply says this about Jesus, that this was his mission. For I, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve, and what? To give his life as a ransom for many. You know this, you and I are never more like Jesus than when we're serving other people. Do you know that? That's what Jesus came to do. But when you and I choose not to serve others, what we're simply saying is that you are better than Jesus. How many of y'all want to to say you're better than Jesus? No one, right? Because he's God's son, all right? So this is one of our core values here, and it's simply this, that save people, serve people. Save people. Can you say that out loud? Save people, serve people. Now, I love what this bottom left hand says. The church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for what? The world. Man, we need reminders of that, don't we? I, again, I, had, I, was, I was reminded of that this past weekend. I was, uh, we chose to go up to Nashville, and I, uh, I met this couple uh, who used to be at one church, and not, not one church, but a church, and then they went to go to another church, and then they went, found another church they went to, and then they went back to that church, and then they went, and they've been had like five different experiences at like five different churches over the past 10 years. And it's just like, wow. And, and they're getting ready to leave and go to another church, and it's just like, you know, maybe it's not about you. Maybe it's not about your preference. You see, when, we're, when we serve others, we're reminded it's not about us. It's not about us. All right, second one is simply this. It's, the first one was serve, serve on a team. Second one is connect in a group. Connect in a group. This is a big deal for us because we believe that when most people think about church, they think about going to a building or going to what happens on Sunday morning. But if you were to look throughout the New Testament scriptures, the way the church started in the book of Acts, what you would find is that what happens in groups actually looks a lot like what the early church looked like. Caring about other people's lives, praying for one another, sharing life with one another, sharing stuff with one another, helping out one another. And this is one of our core values here at OneChurch.tv. Simply this, that life is better connected. We believe that you will grow further faster when you get into a group. Now, the third way that we invite people to take a next step, the first one was, was serving on a team, connecting in a group, and then third, giving a percentage. And this is how we are able to do everything at One Church, that faith really does come alive. It really does come and prove itself, and it gets tested when we start giving. 
And we've talked about a couple weeks ago, I talked about that. I'm not going to belabor this point. So, all right. And then, by the way, this is one of our core values, generosity. And it simply says this, that rich people are generous. Who's generous? Generous people are generous. Why? Because it's a heart issue. But it's this last next step that I want to talk about. It's not the connecting uh, in a group or serving on a team or giving a percentage. It's this last one. It's inviting a friend that I want to spend the rest of our time that we have this morning on. And honestly, sometimes inviting a friend can get a little weird. You ever notice that sometimes Christians do some really weird things? I'll never forget, my wife and I, we had just moved to Dallas, Texas to go to seminary, and one of Kim's best friends in the world uh, was already there, and she says, hey, listen, we, we know, we've met some people around the area, we've got some friends, we'd love to invite you to come make some friends, and we didn't know anyone, so we're like, we're there. We show up, and guess what? It's an Amway pitch, right? Now, for those who are in Amway, I ain't hating on you. All right, but it felt a little icky and a little weird because our expectations was totally different than what we experienced. And so many of us, when it comes to inviting a friend, it just it can get a little weird. But we have a core value revolved around this one. It's simply this: that found people find people. Can you say that? Found people find people. I need you to say it with a little bit more gusto. People, ready? Found people, find people. By the way, that's our big idea today. That is the big idea that we're going to be talking about specifically today. So let me tell you how this played itself out 10 years ago as a church. You see, we wanted to create a church for unchurched people love to attend, but you can't do it with a bunch of unchurched people. So we had 35 church people, and what, what, what would happen, and you'll see this graphic, we had some insiders, people who were inside the faith, inside the church, and what they did and when it comes to our church, they created environments. They created environments. In fact, that's our mission statement. Our mission statement says to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Now, that's a great mission statement, but pardon me, Pastor, how are you going to do that? Well, let me finish it. To, create, to lead people to a growing relationship with Jesus by creating environments where people are encouraged and equipped to pursue three different types of relationships. Intimacy with God, community with insiders, and influence with outsiders. Now, when I say outsiders, I'm not talking that God loves more people better than others. I'm not saying that. Paul uses the word outsiders to refer to people who are not currently inside the faith, who are not currently inside the church. So you have insiders and outsiders. And here's what we did, going back to that graphic. You You had people, these insiders, creating environments, and they started serving, and then they started connecting, And then they started giving, and then they started inviting other outsiders, and then other outsiders came in and they started serving, connecting, giving, inviting. And then what you what you see here is a flywheel. Jim Collins calls this a flywheel, and it just keeps on going and spinning and spinning. And what I want to talk about today is this whole idea of inviting, because I think our greatest potential for us as a church, the greatest potential of you being used by God this week, is you inviting someone to church. So, if you simply came up and says, Chris, I want to grow. 
I, I want to I grow one. I want to grow farther, faster. What should I do? I'd say, guess what? You need to connect with a group of people. You need to start serving on a team. You need to start giving a percentage, and you need to start inviting other people to Jesus because it's not about you. I love that. You see, we've been doing this since 2007, and let me give you just some quick statistics. Since 2007, over 10,000 people have been through these doors. Now, you're thinking, where are they at? Well, the great answer to that question is Uncle Sam keeps on pushing them out. And I tell you, I love that because we are a church that has so much impact, not just in Clarksville, but literally in the world. Do you know that? That when you give, you change lives in people in, in, in different forts, in different bases, people who are downrange. I was talking with a person in 9 o'clock service who's getting ready to go downrange. He says, man, I'm so excited about what we're doing at One Church and with the app and how I'm able to do this with my friends, and we're all going to huddle up, and we're going to do this. I love that, that you have the opportunity to impact and invite people who are so far, not only from God, but so far from Clarksville, to partner with this. I love this. So 10,000 people over the past 10 years have come through One Church. Get this, over 600 people have been baptized. That's freaking amazing. 600 people. All three of my boys have been baptized here at this church. I love that. Let me tell you, over 1,200 people have given their lives to Jesus Christ. And you see, I'm able to throw out these numbers, but every one of those numbers has a name, and every name has a story, and every story matters to God. And each and every one of them came because someone invited them. Let me tell you the reason why we don't invite as a church. We don't invite because we want our church to be bigger. We don't want to, it's not about us getting bigger and getting bigger buildings and building these 5,000 seat auditoriums. In fact, if you go by the bowl table this morning on your way out, there's our architectural drawings. Our, our permanent location only seats about 400. By the way, we have over 400 people going to one church right now. We have a 650 to 700 coming every Sunday. But you see, it's not about us creating these big mega churches and everybody comes to us. We want to create smaller churches and spin out smaller churches into our neighborhoods and in our communities and different cities and different states and different army bases. That's what it's all about for us so that people can come to know Jesus Christ. I love that. I really don't care how big our church gets. I care about individual people. Do you want to know what number I look at every Monday when we do staff meeting? It's not what, what our numbers were on Sunday. Yeah, that's important. But the number that I dream about, let me show you. I'm, not even going, to, I'm going to say this from memory. 88% of people here in Fort Campbell, Clarksville don't go to church anywhere. Do you know what that, how, that, how it plays itself out? That's 125,274. Is that the number that's on the screen? You see, I'm not even looking at it because there's not a day that goes by that I want to see that number change. You see, it isn't about stealing people from other churches and saying and, and call, calling that growth. It's about taking that 88% who are so far from God and saying, I want to change them. I want to see God change and, and God show up in their life and that they just realize, oh, their life is so different. So it's not just about getting our church bigger. Let me tell you another reason why we don't invite. We don't invite because we're supposed to invite. How many of y'all would agree that anytime you've got to do something because you're supposed to, it just gets a little weird? 
it feels a little freaky. It feels a little inauthentic. You ever notice Christians, they do some crazy weird conversations and every conversation has to steer towards an invite? You know, somebody, you're, some, I don't like going to that restaurant because you got to pay to park. And then the Christian says, you know where you don't have to pay to park? My church, you should come. That's a little freaky, right? Stop that. You're Vincent Pricing all of us, right? So anyway, so when it's an obligation, it gets weird. But let me tell you, a third reason why we don't invite is because we don't invite because we think something's wrong with you. That's not it. It's like the person who comes up to me and says, Chris, you might need a breath mint. What are you saying? I'm like, what are you saying? Do I, do I need it? Or so, ever had somebody come up to you and says, hey, you know, they got this new plan with Weight Watchers. It's like, I think I want to hit you right now, right? I mean, come on, right? You don't invite because, oh, man, you need to go to church because you need to get your mess together. No, no. Let me show you the, the reason why we invite. It's the reason why I invite. And it's very simple. It's simply this, that Jesus makes our lives better and that Jesus makes us better at life. You see, when Jesus came into my heart, he made my life better. He made my marriage better. He made me a better husband. He made me a better parent. When Jesus came into my life, he made me a better friend. Following Jesus has given me something to live for. He's made me better with money. My wife can attest to that. He's made me realize that my past can be forgotten and erased. That the mess that I've made, that the sins that I've done can be forgiven. He has offered me forgiveness and grace and mercy and has given me a purpose. You see, that's the reason why I invite. Our core value, and I've said it, it's our big idea. Here it is. Found people, find people. Found people, find people. We believe that if you're found, your job, the reason why you have been found is so that you can help find other people. Let me, and let me simply say it this way. Do you know that there's some things in life that you just got to experience? It's kind of like, it's kind of like black horse pizza, the, 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 the heart attack pizza. And if you dip the crust, the garlic crust, into the beer cheese nachos. See, I can explain it all day long. You need to experience it. Do you know that there's some things in life that is better experienced and explained? Let me say, Jesus is like that. Do you know that? Jesus is like that. Yeah, I can explain it, but when I try to explain it, I don't have the words. But maybe you should just come and show up to our church because I'd love for you to experience him. Because he can change your life. Let me tell you, when Jesus was on this earth, there was a couple times that he literally, he actually invited people to come to know him. And today we're in John chapter 4, John chapter 4, and we're going to look at how Jesus, yeah, he invited everyone to come and know him, but he specifically invited this woman who had a past, had some shame and some regret, and even though all of that was there, Jesus still leaned into her and invited her. I love this. And I think if we can look at this story, and if we learn the why of how he did it, and the how of how he did it, and the who, then maybe we can take the ickiness and the weirdness of inviting people away. This is what it says in John chapter 4, starting at verse 5. So Jesus came down to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus... Tired as he was from the journey. Do you know that Jesus was fully God and fully human, yet he got tired? He was tired. He sat down 
at a well. And it was about what time? Noon. 12 o'clock. Noon. High noon. Now, one would normally not go to a well around noon because, and here's the reason why. If you've been over to the Middle East, uh, uh, what you're going to experience around noon time is kind of a lot like hell. Um, it's really hot. And it's really, I mean, nobody wants to be there. I mean, it's just kind of like that. It's kind of like summer in Mississippi, right? Um, it's just like, what in the world? It's just so stifling hot. And no, I mean, the women who would collect the, the water at the well, they would show up early in the morning when it was cool. But Jesus bumps into a woman there. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And the reason why she's getting water in the hottest part of the day is because she didn't want to see anyone. Um, She didn't want to see anyone. There was something about herself. There was something about her past that was uncomfortable. There was some shame. So she was fully expecting to be there and not really see anyone. And yet she sees Jesus. And Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, by the way, this wasn't a pickup line. Jesus was generally trying to to build a relationship with her. He was trying to tell her something about what he believed about her, and this kind of threw her off a little bit. She responded, Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman, verse 9. How can you ask uh, ask me for a drink. And then John gives us, he helps us out, gives us a little bit of insight because Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So Jesus, he's breaking some norms here. He's breaking a cultural norm. He's breaking a religious norm. And in that day, Jewish people did not speak to Samaritans. They hated one another. It's kind of like Alabama and Auburn fans. Okay? So... Uh, And then Jewish men would never speak to a Jewish woman in public. But yet, here Jesus is breaking down walls and telling us all what he believes about the human race. And then Jesus, in these next couple of verses, extends an invitation to her. And it's so beautiful the way he does it. He uses this metaphor of water because they're at a well. And that makes sense. So Jesus says, you know, I want you to know that if you continue drinking from this well, you're going to continue to get thirsty again, and you have to come back and thirsty, come back and get thirsty. But if you drink from the water that I can give you, this living water, you will never thirst again. And in our day, doesn't that just make sense? I mean, wouldn't you say that there's today and people in the 21st century that there's sometimes they seem like they have cravings and appetites that cannot be satisfied? You ever been around somebody who's just a part, have some type of addiction? And when they try to satisfy their life either with relationships or with power or with money or material possessions, maybe it's substance abuse, it just leaves them wanting more. So here's a question for any of us. What are you looking for to satisfy you? What are you looking to satisfy you? What do you think is going to satisfy you? Getting that next promotion, the better job, the more money, the bigger house, the better kids, the honor students? I can honestly tell you that if you fill in that blank with anything other than Jesus, you are going to be left more thirsty and more hungry. You're going to be left wanting. 
Jesus says to her, I want to extend an invitation to you. And it seems like the way this conversation went with Jesus and this woman, that this woman was looking for relationships to satisfy her, to validate her, to bring her worth. So Jesus says, I want to extend an invitation. I want you to come and try me. You'll never thirst again. And this invitation that Jesus extends to her, it says a lot about what he thought about her. But Jesus wants her to know that he knows all about her past. Because she might be thinking, hey, maybe he doesn't really know me, and that's the reason why he's given me this invitation. And Jesus says, oh, I know you. Let me tell you how well I know you. He says, go and call your husband and come back. And she replies, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, hello, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Jesus says, you are totally right that you don't have a husband. And I knew that when I gave the invitation to you in the first place. Your past, your shame, your regrets, how worthless and unworthy you feel. It has no bearing on whether or not God extends an invitation to you. God says, I love you. And what's so interesting, you see, in this day, women could not divorce men. They had no really power to divorce men. So she couldn't issue divorce papers, which means Jesus is saying that this woman has had five different men that said, you know what, I am done with you. You can go now. I'm done using you. I'm through with you. You are nothing to me. And over time, I would imagine that this began to shape this woman's worth and her identity. It's as if Jesus is saying, there is nothing that you could ever do to cause me to pull back that invitation. There is nothing, there's no sin that you could ever do that could cause me to love you any less. There's nothing, no regret, no issue, no problem, no shame, no mistake that could ever cause me to say, you are not welcome. It's amazing how he did this and when he did this. It didn't feel icky. It didn't feel inauthentic. And let me tell you, the reason why is I think Jesus was paying attention to some things to this woman. There were some things uh, he was listening for in the conversation. There were some issues he was kind of keeping his eyes wide open. And and that's when he realized, this is my moment. I'm going to invite her. And I think he was paying attention to some cues. A couple of our staff are reading a great book by Charles Duhigg. And it's entitled, The Power of Habit. And Charles Duhigg talks about that all of us, all of people, we're just a bundle of habits. And then he goes and digs a little bit deeper and he asks the question, why do we do the things that we do? Why do we have the habits that we have? And he says it's because of the cues and what we're paying attention to you. You see that there's a cue that happens. And it's that cue that causes the routine that allows us to experience the reward. And Duhigg says if you want to change your habit, you have to change the cues or at least pay attention to different cues. So here at OneChurch.tv, when we talk about inviting people, we develop some cues that I want to share with you, and we call them the three knots. Not knots as in tied up in knots. It's three N-O-T-S. So three knots. Can you say that with me? 
Three knots. And I want you to kind of jot these down, remember them. Uh, you can go on version and email the, 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 the notes to yourself. But I want to give you some cues to invite so it doesn't feel so icky. And the first one is simply this, when things are not going well. You know, have you ever hung out with somebody and say, hey, how you doing? Well, things are not going well. Oh, what's going on? Well, my health is not good. Or my marriage is just on the fritz. Uh, my kids are driving me crazy. Uh, we have a child who's going through some trouble. Uh, we have a son or daughter that's making some poor decisions. The business isn't going well. Things aren't going well at work. Maybe someone is struggling with depression or anxiety, and that should be your cue to say, hey, you know what? There was a time in my life where things weren't going well for me, and somebody invited me. And I'd love to invite you to one church. Would you mind coming this Sunday? I'd love to sit beside you. I'd love to be able to just kind of hang out with you on that. And that should be your cue to invite someone. Because all of us, we can remember when things weren't going well for us, right? And, and somebody cared enough to invite us. And isn't it true that invitations can change your life? Isn't that right? They can. So that's a cue. The second cue is this, when you're not prepared for something. When you're not prepared for something. For me, the most obvious example is when we first had kids. If you haven't had kids, and if you're thinking about having kids, let me just put your fears to rest, you're not ready. Because no one is ever ready. I remember when Kim and I, we had our first child, Walt, who's now 18 uh, now, and uh, man, they, they were like, we were so overwhelmed. And we were there for like a night, and then the next night, and then they said, you can go home. And I said, oh, nay, nay. We're not going. You can't trust us, right? I mean, something, there's something fundamentally wrong with us and this kid, right? There just is. And with any new parent I meet, I tell them, if you're a new parent, you need to come to our church, right? I, listen, it doesn't matter what you care about and what you believe about God, Jesus, or the Bible. If you just show up at our church, you can have an entire hour, away from your child. We have fantastic children's workers. We got, I mean, we do background checks on them, and you can actually spend an hour, and if it goes a little long, an hour and 10 minutes, and go, oh, praise Jesus, right? All right? You're never prepared for it. You're just not. Some of you, it'd be good if you got a young child, or maybe you have a toddler, maybe you have an elementary school kid, or middle school, or high school, it would do them good to you just to bring them to church, and it would do you well for you to show up because you would meet other parents who are worse parents than you, and it would make you feel better, right? It would, right? Let me say this. Another thing you're not prepared for is moving, right? You think you're ready. You got the boxes, you got everything packed, and then you show up in a new place, in a new town, with a new job, a new MOS. You got no support structure, very little friends. You don't know how to get from Fort Campbell to, to downtown Clarksville and how all the rivers and all that. It's just, it's a little crazy. And what's so cool about this, Clarksville is the fifth fastest growing city in the United States. We always have people coming in and out, in and out, in and out. Let me tell you, you see a moving van, that's when you go, hey, I'd love to invite you to our church. I'd love to do that. That should be a cue. And then the third cue is simply this. When you ask them, are you going to church anywhere? Then they're not in church. That should be a cue. Oh, I need to invite. 
When someone new comes to the area, you ask him, have you found a church? No, love to invite you to one church. And I'm telling you, if you do this, if you follow the cues, the cues will tell you the, who, uh, the who's. A little kind of Dr. Seuss, right? The cues will tell you the who's, and it won't feel icky. We have 40% of our church every year leave and get pushed out because of the army. We always have new people, usually 8 to 10 first-time guests every Sunday. And you know what? So many times, is this your first time here? No, we've been going here for six years, Pastor. <laughs> Good. I'm, a, I'm an idiot, right? So, and then other people, hey, it's, been, it's so great to have you back. And this is my first time. I just moved here from Fort Huachuca. I'm like, I can't spell it, but I apologize, right? It's just, it, we just, it's in and out, in and out, in and out. So when, when they're unprepared, when things are not going well, and, and, and when they're not in church, that's your cue to invite. Now, as I close, let me go back. These are those three nights. Let's look at how the story ends. And I think when we look at the story ends, you and I can see ourselves there. It says this, talking about the woman. When the woman, hearing that Jesus you know, got this invitation, she left her water jar. Quick question, why was she there at the well in the first place? How many of y'all have ever been to Walmart? ever been to Walmart, and the reason why you went was for buns, hot dog buns, and you came out $150 later with no buns, because you forgot, but you came out with a rifle, with some soccer gear, and whatever, all right? I mean, my wife is not a Walmart fan, so I know she does, so anyway. So, but look at this. But leaving her water jar, the, wo- the woman went back to the town and said to the people, look at what she said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. By the way, she didn't have all the answers about what, who Jesus was. She didn't know about how the Bible fit together, and she didn't know about the third dispensation of the fourth revelation of the propitiation of, I don't even know what I'm talking about right now, okay? She didn't have all those answers. She just said, come and see a man that told me everything that I've ever done. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. Why? Because of the woman's testimony, her story. He told me everything I ever did. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged Jesus to stay with them, and Jesus stayed for two more days. And because of Jesus' words, and many more became believers... They said to the woman, we no longer believe, excuse me, just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that he really is. What? The Savior of the world. This woman who felt like she had no purpose in life, who felt shamed, who felt worthless, who was going to the well just to get the same old water, to avoid the same old people. She was tired from hearing the same old insults and looking at all the sidewise glances from other women. And all of a sudden, she got to partner in God's life-changing invitation. And it's the same reason you and I get to partner. It's because of that Samaritan woman We are all the benefactor, and we're able to be here today because somebody else invited and invited and invited, and we're here. So our big idea today is simply this. Found people. Find people. How? By inviting them to Jesus. That's my challenge for you today as we close. I'm just going to challenge you that if you are a found person, 
And if you want to partner with the church, you want to help create a church unchurched people love to attend. You've got no farther to look. We would love to be able to partner with you. And how we're going to do that is by giving you invite cards. There's a picture of an invite card behind me. And uh, we have these on a table. As soon as you walk out and you start going to the foyer, we have them in groups of 5, 10, 15, and 20. And I would just challenge you to pick up some of these and invite someone to church for you to do the cues. The three nights, are things not going well? Are they experiencing something they're not prepared for? Are they not going to church? Let me tell you, the best way to invite, the best time to invite is Easter because everybody's going to go to church. They're just waiting on your invitation. So my challenge is, will you do that? Will you help invite someone to church? Thank you. Thank, I think that was Eddie. Thank you, my friend. Right? Is anybody else going to invite somebody? If you're not, I'm going to preach for six more hours. I'm just joking. No, seriously. Guys, I love that you and I get to do this. It's not about us. It's not about our preference. It's about, here we are 2,000 years later, and we're able to tell other people that, you know what, we have a God that loves us, who sent his son, that we have a, a, a heavenly father who is a good father. And the reason why we are here today is because he wants more people to come to know him. I'm going to pray for us. is going to come down. We're going to sing, and we're going to be done for today. Don't forget those invite cards. We love you guys. I'm honored to be your pastor. Lord, we love you, and I thank you so much, God, that here in this town, Lord, that you've given us so much influence. You've given us so much traction just because of so many people coming in and out and in and out and in and out. God, that we can be able to come and we can say, you know what? I'd love to invite you to church this Sunday. I don't have all the answers, but I, I think, I think, I'd love for you to experience Jesus. And it's, he is better experienced than explained. I just don't have the words. And with Easter coming up and the Easter egg hunt coming up, God, I pray that all of us, that we would take these times, that we would have wisdom and discernment and that you would give us the courage to open our mouths and invite people. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray.